Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that longs to one day be able to fix up its own vacation home my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're lining up for the ski lift as we delve even deeper into the mouth of march madness as we welcome some of our favorite people in horror to help us talk their surviving horror classics from our 2010 bracket and you don't need to have just four whiskey sours to listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your Healy's hole. And if you're lucky enough to get Wi-Fi while you're on the mountain, uh, you can find us online on the social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face where we have our events tab, which definitely leads to shenanigans. And as this episode releases on Friday, March 27th, we're technically recording this so far in advance that ideally the Terror Tuesday, we're not quite sure. Screenland, we're not quite sure. But there's going to be some good stuff. So make sure to check that out. But we do know. One thing we do know for sure, the Kansas City Horror Club brings to you Disco of the Dead, a 70s and 80s costumed themed dance party. It's going to be, uh, proceeds are going to go to the Walking and Rolling Foundation. Excellent. It's $25. You can get your tickets now. There's going to be a link on the Kansas City Horror Club Facebook. It's going to be a big rip brewing company. There's going to be all sorts of goodies as DJ. Everybody's going to be in costume. There's going to be a costume contests. Would it be recommended to learn the entire choreography of the thriller dance and routine and that, break that out? That would be helpful. That would be helpful. At least the hustle. But it's going to be 70s and 80s. So it's going, you know it's going to be literally fucking rad. Disco of the Dead. And it's a great cause. The Walk and Roll In, you guys, Kansas City Horror Club, has been working with them for a little while at mm-hmm. this point as well. Every kid needs a good Halloween, man. Plus... It's a chance to have Halloween in the middle of April. We're going to all get all gorified and like 70s and 80s disco of the dead. Whatever that means to you, come dressed up like that. And I'm not going to say you're the big Van Vader of the horror world, but you are pretty nimble for a man your size and you can cut a rug, my friend. So if you want to come out and see Genius McGee, get all down. All night long. All night are you oh, going to be dancing on the ceiling? Long. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Dancing on the ceiling a la Nightmare on Elm Street where we're just going to be tumbling. <laughs> yeah, there across. we go. You got the body and I got the moves. <laughs> to the Freddy. <laughs> I'll just be over in the corner doing the pinker. No, the you're going to over there be doing the Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those kind of shenanigans and more, make sure to check out our events tab and definitely come out on April 25th. Check that out. Um, but ultimately, here in the, mar- in the month of March, we're obviously now almost done with the madness. Technically, this is going to be the last episode before ultimately everything falls on you, the listener, to see which of the films from The Frightful Four go forward and then compete for the championship. No pressure, guys. Yeah, none, none at all. <laughs> well, ultimately, as we always talk about here, we are located here in Kansas City on the Missouri side, just so we have that <laughs> differentiation there. Um, and something that we always talk about is how lucky we are, number one, to have such an extended film family. And a lot of that comes from, I think, the fact that we have an Alamo Draft House here, mm-hmm. as well as the Screenland Armor and Tapcade. 
because they've really cultivated people that number one genuinely love film. Oh yeah. But number two, and this is why I think why I enjoy the I still enjoy the theatrical experience is there's good theatrical etiquette as well yeah. at these theaters, which only cultivate people to come out and really enjoy the films. And like I said before, movies are sacred and those places those are our temples. Yes, so like you need to be respectful yeah. at those temples. You don't want to get kicked out of a church. No, not like at all. that that like smears your record, believe me. So. <laughs> <laughs> kicked out of finer synagogues in this much. Right? <laughs> but ultimately not only do we cultivate the film family and people gather and watch the films at these sacred temples, but then conversation is cultivated and what's great is we've been part of that conversation. And what's even better, though, is when people decide these conversations are worthy of being recorded and let out amongst the masses. And I will say this, and I don't know if it's because we have such a good film family, but Kansas City has a great little genre podcast scene going up. And I hate for that to sound pretentious or like like that music scene, like, dude, the Kansas City scene is roll, just rocks, dude. They slap, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But... Ultimately, it's I think it's been born out of genuine joy and people coming together and an yeah. excuse to come together because that's one of the yeah. best things. This show, number one, you know, my friendship with you, um, my keeping accountability of my depression and anxiety has been important for me with this. But also, I've been able to meet some really cool people to the point where they're here in my basement and they're not getting out. One person, <laughs> the first time, all and actually. <laughs> But ultimately, I love the fact that we've been able that this community has come together. And one of my favorite shows, ultimately, number one, because they usually look for the kind of the wild and weird. But secondly, I'm an old man. I'm not afraid to admit this. I am the guy that's yelling you to get off my yard. So I need that youthful perspective. And thankfully, this podcast gives this to me, which is much needed. It speaks to the kids today. I, I need to figure out what the kids are doing, like you said, genius, to kind of be connected. And thankfully, we have... I technically half of the podcast here today. Um, again, the they're local, they're wonderful, they love getting weird. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead from the Hula Hell Is This For podcast, making his first appearance, Jeff, and returning again, our good friend Ty. Thanks for having us. Of course. Oh, that was that nice awkward pause. Like, oh, yeah. Is he going to stop talking? Jesus Christ, come <laughs> on, come on. You guys were so anxiously waiting there just to jump in and... People are going to know who's going to be on the show regardless. Oh, but yeah. So before we get into the madness proper... Surprise! <laughs> surprise! <laughs> Tell our listeners, where can they find you out on the social media? Please plug and promote away. Uh, so you can find our show account at WTHITFpod on Twitter and Who the Hell is This For on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And then you can find personal accounts uh, at Mr. Jeff Noor at Prodcath and at underscore Riles23 for the rest of our show members. Excellent. And my apologies already in advance to Catherine. I'm sure I'm going to say <laughs> something that's going to offend her or potentially one of the films. Actually, I can't even wait to see if she in, you know, indulged in she, any of these. Uh, she did not partake in any of these films. I'm sure she was like, wait, which podcast is this for? Oh, Greg and Genius? <laughs> nah, forget about it. Forget about it. I ran down the list and she gave me a good no thanks. <laughs> And I watch them in the spare room. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that we're the podcast that if you guest host on, you know you're probably going to have to maybe watch something in the other oh, room, yeah. potentially. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad it's thing. It's staying on brand, man. You I, know? I mean, half of our podcast is behind the beaded curtain anyway. <laughs> well, ultimately, speaking of staying on brand, uh, brand um, you guys recently had your Best of 2019 episode. And I was happy to hear a lot of love for Knives Out. Yes, 
because it's technically not a horror film, so it's not one that we would typically discuss on this on this show. But there's murder and mystery. It's not even so much a whodunit, but I'm glad to hear that got a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Parasite, obviously, and of course, just something, and I really enjoyed your episode on this as well, but The Lighthouse, which obviously... Something we could probably talk. Did you ever get around to seeing that one? No, but I want to because it's, it's got Bobby Peru and Squiddly Diddly. <laughs> so got, like, <laughs> well, and the fact now that Bobby Peru is going to be inserted into the conversation <laughs> somehow is just kind of awful. Um, but I'm kind of curious. What are you guys looking for ultimately this year regarding new releases? But also, what do you think are some of the older films that you guys are going to be tackling anytime soon? So I did talk about it in my... Uh, my our, my portion of the year end goals i want to do more old horror that i haven't old and new stuff that i missed just towards the end of the year that i've been playing catch up with um but i i want to get real weird with it this year <laughs> um so at this time it's not out yet but by the time the episode's out our sleepaway camp episode will be out which was a first time watch for jeff and riley oh, I- yeah just uh <laughs> upsetting all around but, but pretty good <laughs> Oh, that wouldn't do. That well, wouldn't no, do no, at all. No. Why? I was just thinking the other day. I wonder what a sleepaway camp for a first timer would be like. You what? know what? Eat shit and live, Jeff. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And technically, our uh, the game of games. The, our game show that we did at Panic Fest. It won't have. It won't be releasing until probably either April or May. But I won't lie. But that, that's in there. That, yes. That's in there. It's. I can't wait to hear your reaction ultimately, but that's another one of those movies that plays so well on the big screen. Yeah, but if you also, ever, now that you yeah, know what's coming up, you if you are, ever get a chance to see it on the big screen, definitely. Oh. It's because we've hosted it numerous times, and at least, at every time, at least 50% of the crowd is seeing it for the first time. So when all the shenanigans and happen, and then at the end... Like you just hear like what the fuck? And it's <laughs> I guarantee it's so good. it'll end up on one of your year end theatrical great theatrical yes. experiences because it is just one of those things. But I like the fact that you guys do incorporate theatrical experiences in mm-hmm. your year end because there is something different from the home viewing experience to the communal. So it's appreciated that you guys do really worship at that altar as well. Oh, absolutely. I'd say my best and this was in our year end, but my best experience this year was something that didn't include on any of my other lists, which was my best experience in the theater was actually Crawl, um, yes. which not many people actually saw. And I would I would recommend that you do. I don't know if that'll be one that you'll ever get to see in theaters again. But I saw that by myself on a Thursday um, with one guy behind me just going, oh, Lord, about every five minutes, which is about the best way you can possibly <laughs> see that movie. <laughs> I can't disagree. That is one of that actually made my best of 2019 as well. And we didn't even do an episode on it. No, I, I wanted to see it so bad. It was one of those that I felt like it just came and went. Well, I had it to did. go outside my normal Alamo Screenland haunt. I went to an AMC for that one. Mm-hmm. In fact, I for <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> I for Black Christmas and um, uh, oh, good Lord. Uh, underwater. I had to go outside my normal, which yes. Are you? I loved underwater. The last scene. Yes. When you realize what's happening, it, it was the arm ratio that threw me off. That mm-hmm. made me go. <gasps> that was, was that final scene of underwater oh. was the one thing I wanted out of that movie and did not think they had the guts to go for it, and they did it, and they I was it. so happy. It's people are gonna come around on that one, and they're gonna kick themselves That's, for not seeing that. In that the is theater. gonna be a midnight screening. 
five, ten years. It'll from be a now. great cult classic. See, and that's what I'm looking forward to because that was one that that I think was in theaters near me because I actually live pretty close to pretty close to Alamo, and uh, that yeah. one came and went. Yeah, and I just barely missed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and it's gonna it's gonna fall in the pantheon of like Leviathan and Deep Star Six. Yeah. Ah, but the added flavor that they throw in that Ty and I are referring to at the end changes the movie and you go oh it's that kind of movie and it's that kind of movie in such the great way that Oren Gray who is kind of in in that field and I'm not going to say what it is because it's kind of a giveaway he really enjoyed it oh cool there's some good stuff in there I think ultimately Underwater is going to be one of those films 10 years down the line that we're going to be talking about here down in the brackets which actually is the perfect segue into the round of the Scream 16 here and we're looking at four films from the year of 2010 that we're definitely still talking about. And again, whether they are first-time views for people or whether we're returning to them for the bazillionth time, all are here for a reason, and that's because they're pretty grand. Now, ultimately, here in the round of the Scream 16, we have four films, and we have to pare it down to two. And our first matchup, we are looking at... Ultimately, it's so bizarre. We're looking at a film from primarily a horror comedy director, and this is... To a polar opposite? Uh, Wow, he's not the best color man in the business for nothing. Let's go ahead. Let's get into Frozen going up against Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And I'm going to leave this to you, gentlemen. Which one would you like to discuss first? And literally just talking our thoughts on it. You want to do Frozen first? Let's do Frozen Let's do Frozen first. So I'm going to pose it out to both of you. Um, Let's just start. Ty, what was your initial interaction experience with the film Frozen? So Frozen was an I've seen that for okay. me okay. Uh, oh, up until this. Excellent. Nice. Uh, and all I knew going in, uh, I I had seen the trailer before I had blind bought Victor Cre- not Victor Crowley Hatchet on oh. Blu-ray a, a few years back. Love that movie. And, yeah, it's so great. <laughs> and I knew that, and then I knew your guys's praise for it, and that we just had a 10th anniversary screening here in Kansas City. With, with Adam Green in attendance, which is so cool. It was pretty cool. It was rad. It was... But other than that, I didn't know a whole lot, but it's the kind of movie where you don't really need to know a whole lot. It, it's all kind of just laid out there for you with what you're getting. And What did, what did you think of what you got? I, so I enjoyed it. I thought the, I thought the first, like, third, I, I think it can be divisive for people, but Certainly. the... The whole like stereotypical like teen ski comedy. I think they really nail it as a satire of that. But if you don't know Adam Green and his approach to satire, it it lands in a really weird way for you. It's it's a bone from a boner jam to a bummer jam. Yeah, it's the last American version of ski horror. There. Uh, So initially, so that it was your first time. Then Jeff, how about for you? Yeah. So this was my first time ever seeing it, and I actually had not really heard about it um, very much. So I don't know if I'm as plugged into the the uh, not the cinematic universe, but the Adam <laughs> Green verse maybe. Um, and so I, I had heard about it maybe a little bit from from Ty, um, but I was the same way. So the first third for me, I was really confused on what yes. I was watching, and so I didn't know if it was a, a full satire send up or if it was on purpose. And so I think once I got past that first third and and realized what it was That's actually happening. doing, I really enjoyed the second part um but those are the pieces that i was a little bit curious about well i love the fact again the perspective is the fact that you've got you know ty you were you knew of it but then jeff you did know of it so that's i love the fact that you know you've got i'm not going to say baggage but you're familiar with Mm -hmm. adam green i i had an idea of what i was getting yeah going in and then i I never even thought about the fact that if you didn't necessarily know what the film was it would really play like 
a ski and almost it's always sunny in philadelphia right you know yeah, yeah. like you're waiting for somebody to like the, I'll, the ski lodge will be mine you know we're gonna demolish it and put condos which obviously kane hodder could have played that role i'm sure mm-hmm. now did you notice the kane hodder appearance he was the uh the driver right he was. that's mm-hmm. what i he thought was. Now, oh, that, I did not pick up on that at all. That it's okay. Do you familiar with who Kane Hodder is? I know the name, but that's okay. And they, this is the perspective I love <laughs> because, again, if you're familiar with Kane Hodder and you're, you know, oh hey, well, look, it's, it's Kane Hodder. But if not, it's like cool. It's a dude who's driving the, <laughs> exactly. the, the bulldozer. And that's what I love about this film that he peppers it throughout with all these little little Easter mm-hmm. eggs for horror fans. But then for the the casual viewer. As long as it's not distracting, I think that works. So let me ask you guys a question since this was your first time. What did you think about the dog speech? Oh, the, the dogs. Right. Where she was she's, memory. Where she's, she's lamenting about the oh, fact that she's yeah. got her dog at home. Yeah. And the okay. dog doesn't understand about why I'm not there. Yes. And, oh, man. as So I have two dogs, and that was actually very affecting for And me I for just got a new dog. Oh, congrats. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was like, well, oh, fuck, if that actually ever happens, that probably will be the yep. thing that I'm the most worried about. So that's the question. If anyone knows the show, Genius kind of lives his life according to certain horror movie tropes. Yeah. Just, first of all, I wouldn't be on that fucking ski lift in the first place. <laughs> so, so the question is, now that you, with now having a dog with someone, mm-hmm. do you go, are you skiers or snowboarders by any chance? Uh, looking to learn, but no, I do not. Even after this, even after that's the question. <laughs> even, that's the yeah. question. Even after this, but uh, but it is something I'll be thinking about when I'm yeah. out there. Keep your gloves on. Oh, Keep your gloves no. on for sure. And, and if you hear, oh, <laughs> then like, yeah. So a question then, ultimately, that you're familiar with Adam Green's work and you're mm-hmm. not. Um, how did you did you appreciate the kind of the minimalist minimalistic approach? The way he filmed it, just almost like a bottle episode. I it it did feel very claustrophobic, which was interesting because it is outside. Like it feels like something that should feel expansive, and there should be mm-hmm. like big mountain views. But it did feel like like it it felt like that was the only thing on the ski lift. Like there weren't any other chairs until you realize they're trying to climb to them. But it felt like claustrophobic because they can't get off of it, yep. even though they're outside, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, and so I'm I'm not a huge bottle episode guy. And uh, I I do have to say, I love Hatchet for how extreme and how weird it gets. And I I would say there's a little bit I was like I just I want a, a touch more here, I Adam. Say, like I just want a little more in some of these scenes. But I would say that I was that was something. So I'm I'm not as much of a gore hound as mm-hmm. as Ty is, and so it was it actually hit pretty perfect for me because there are lots of scenes where I was like, oh shit, her face is gonna come off. Like, oh, exactly that oh. bait and switch. But this would make like a great That's... pairing with like Gerald's game, oh. just the whole like gloving oh. scene. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh. And then watching in the theater, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's uh, how did you react then ultimately when, for example, just when he, he leaps off and then it, Ooh, that just happens. I will say that was my favorite part. Really? Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. Even like, because it, it goes back and forth on whether I enjoy it or not. If there's a, mo- <laughs> if there's a moment in a movie that can make me go, oh shit, like loud, like audibly and like, mm-hmm. wake up the rest of the people that are in the house. <laughs> Um, that's a good moment for me, even if I don't viscerally like actually enjoy watching it. I enjoy the the piece of it, and so that was a I really enjoyed that. But uh, the the <laughs> later on when he's like 
when he's got his legs like turned in completely awful. Yeah. Uh, that was a part where I was struggling to get through it a yep. little bit. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of done. And maybe, not sure, but oh. We can move on from this part anytime <laughs> right, now. Right. Just slide on down the mountain. Just what I really love about that scene is so, and um, I hadn't answered, but I skied for a long time and just haven't for a while. But every time in the chairlift, you always have that thought. I could make that jump. I could, I could do that. Like, and and you, then you start really about the point when you hit, we're like, Oh, I can't make yep. that jump. Then you start. Oh no. And no, so no, this, no. it almost plays like a live action Looney tunes of that thought, that train of thought. He's like, I could make that jump. And he jumps and instantly just a pile of bones. Like he's just <laughs> snapped in every place. Did he like have a yipes sign before he like <laughs> went down? The pause in midair. Yeah. Zoinks! Oh, yes. <laughs> well, and it, I've and it's really funny too the fact that they I know Adam because again Adam Green was talking about beforehand how people were calling out bullshit of such a a premise but here in the Kansas City area you just have to travel about forty five minutes north in Weston Missouri we've yeah. got this place called Snow Creek and it is basically a transformed little hill area into a skiing area that is only open Friday Saturday and Sunday so when that premise hit. I was like, oh shit. I wonder if that really happened. Like that to me was legit. And that's, I'm not going to say it's why I haven't been snowboarding (laughs) since. Well, number one, I'm just not good at it, but it's, that has been stuck in my crawl. Yeah. No, fuck all that noise. (laughs) I mean, for real, like, Hey, you want to go skiing? Fuck no, man. (laughs) Shit. I'm going to have a bad time. Thoughts on the wolves. I liked the wolves. Wolves were a good element. Wolves took it to a place where, you hit that point, you're like, okay, I don't know where else they can do. We're running out of tension because sure. they're just stuck. Uh, but adding the wolves as another element and then showing uh, Joe Lynch's body. I wanted to touch on that, that Which they is, named a character Joe of course, Lynch. Of course, it's wonderful. Um, but Joe Lynch being shredded to just like a stain on the snow oh. when she's running past. It's uh, And it's what you don't see, yeah. but what you hear in this film. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really think Adam Green doesn't get enough credit for crafting such kind of an exquisitely not perfect film because we've kind of talked almost tremors as being perfect yeah but this is just such a lean it's mean flick lean taut it's got a lot of good atmosphere it's yeah. fucking cold as shit i mean it it's, won the cold category of course it did and like <laughs> it's just good tension i mean it's still 10 years later people are still like Ugh. and i'm glad that the fact that it gave you guys an excuse to watch it at least yeah. for the first time so we'll talk a little bit, potentially, you know, rewatchability on it. But final thoughts on Frozen before we head over to the other film? I think it's a very solid movie that shows a lot of what Adam Green also does really well and what yeah. he has in his other films that you come for. This is a really good intro Adam Green film. I would agree. I would agree. It's definitely something where I'll be looking to pick up other, other work mm-hmm. by him for sure. And I'll be curious to hear your reaction on his other work because it can go quite the opposite. Um, Check out Digging Up the Marrow. I've been, I've been wanting to watch that because so I didn't realize until I saw something on Twitter that Alex Pardee helped make that yes, movie. Yes, he did. Yeah. He was he the one that designed the monsters. That, yep. And that made it shoot right up my list. It's, That's incredible. It's super good. It's one that was one of our early episodes, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. You know, there are scenes in that film that you want to talk make about me, visually reacting that yeah. I still like. <laughs> Yeah, there's one that just made coming. me... coming. I know. I, fucking, ah, like chicken. That's all I got to say. Chicken. Ah. <laughs> I, I'll be curious to hear your reactions. And also check out Spiral as well. Spiral's cool. Oh, okay. Just another one just to give you an idea of just how, you know, versatile he is as a filmmaker. Well, going from a just 
purely terrifying, you know, cold movie to one that's more of kind of a warm embrace and just it feels like a good old firm blanket. Tuck like on a Dale. big old hillbilly bear hug. <laughs> like, <laughs> Come on, give, give your pappy a hug. Tucker just... and Dale versus Evil, which I get to see this on the big screen in just a few days, and I'm all I'm a little upset that we don't we couldn't postpone to talk about this just to add what that adds mm-hmm. to everything. Because you know, uh, yeah, but let's dig into t- oh, genius. Or, uh, oh no, 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 yeah, no, no. I, yeah, guess first. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the one that. So I had seen of the four. I had seen two of them before, and so this is one that I had seen before. Um, and I think, without giving too much away, this is one of my favorites. Um, I'm a, a real sucker for horror comedy. That's like, yep. Like, and how I got into horror was basically all the oh. horror adjacent movies. That's... So like, horror comedy got me more into to hard horror into real horror quote-unquote real horror that's not yeah, really right. you know what i mean but into um where horror is the point and the comedy is not the point and so i think tucker and dale is a, a great concept because not only is it does it do the meta notes that you get in some of those other pieces as well but it actually does have like really good scares it has really good deaths yep. um and it's just got some some dynamite performances as well do you, did by any chance did you see this in the theater or did you check this one out eventually on like the DVD or the Blu-ray? Yeah, I think I've only seen this one at home. Okay. I don't think I've seen this one on theater. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, this is a home watch only for me that's... as well, uh, and I would love to see this with a crowd. This one, this was one I did watch early before I really got into horror, uh, okay. like Jeff was saying, and uh, I had a friend who he. This was back when I lived in Manhattan, uh, right after graduating from K State, and he did a. 30 day or 31 days of horror in October. And he yep. made a schedule of every movie for every day. And he sent it out to everybody. Like That's... all of us at work, like just random friends had a huge group of people that did this. And I was like, mm, at that time I still wasn't super into horror. Sure. I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll maybe come over and watch one of these with you. And he's like, watch this one, come over, have some beers and watch Tucker and Dale with me. And I was blown away by how much fun this movie was and how much it continues to hold up yeah and here's what i love the fact that it is a movie and you talked about a little bit um on that jeff but the fact it's kind of a meta movie so even though that you know if you're not necessarily big into horror at that point it being Mm -hmm. a good gateway film if you're not necessarily familiar with those horror tropes it still played pretty well did it not yeah absolutely even as a comedy as a comedy and it's one of those intro ones that you can introduce it's a little, because if, especially if they don't like gore, you yeah, got to yeah. say, like, hey, it's going to get a little bit of gory, a lot of bloody, but it's a lot of fun. And again, it's a cautionary tale about communica- miscommunication. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite but pieces I of it. But I think the thing that makes this movie so great is the cast. Yeah. I mean, the cast just kills it. I mean, you got Tyler Labine, who I think is extremely underrated yes, in everything yeah. that he's in. Yeah. Like, there's you every time he pops up, and you're like, well, Tyler, well, it's Tucker. You okay. know? So I, I have a question. Football. On a note for him, have you seen a good old-fashioned orgy? I have not. I know I've seen that. Is that just is like that, in, in real life? On or? Pornhub <laughs> or, like, what are we talking about? Cause wow. Like, not the genre, but... Uh, uh, there is a Jason Sudeikis movie with just a lights out cast, and I, I, that's one I know of that I I could probably say I've seen that. Yeah, I, I've seen that. He's he's the anchor of almost every joke. Oh, okay, thank God. Movie. Oh yeah, that could have gone horribly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're talking about orgies. Is that what they're calling it these days? Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, I didn't know it was a secret society sequel. <laughs> they were shunting at the very end. Did everybody have like those masks? Like those uh, wise wide shut? The t- actually, you know what? If if Tucker and Dale versus the society came oh out. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Them s- stumbling Tucker upon. Tucker Dale versus shuntings? I'm it'd, all for it. It'd be such a perfect to spiral out of this into something else uh it would be so perfect to turn this into a franchise you, into different subgenres of horror well they've already talked about turning in there's a new tucker and dale like alan tudyk mm-hmm. and tyler they Levine want is, to yeah they're like we're down and they mm-hmm. have like a spec script and everything so like, okay i'm gonna throw this very spur of the moment question i'm gonna throw it all to you what genre do you want to see them then tucker and dale versus you know Sci-fi, sci-fi, because think about not necessarily in space. Think about it, because like they're always talking about the hillbillies getting probed. Oh wow! Okay, so like (laughs) no, they're like there's 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 aliens out there. Nobody fucking believes them. Tucker and Dale get probed. (laughs) Tucker and Dale. uh, It could be the Kamel, the Kamel, and um, oh my god, uh, no, uh, Harold and Kumar. Yeah, yeah. you know the horror verse where you could just do different shenanigans. I would love to see like that take on like the hillbilly abduction. Hell, you could throw in the rest of our films from the round of the Scream sixteen where they have the haunted house and then they have the the water that infects their little vacation home. But one thing I want to talk about before we, I still want to talk about more Tucker and Dale. But I got to give shout out to Katrina Bowden who plays Allison. Now it's not she is fantastic in this, but but Thirty Rock. Mm -hmm. No full confession. I absolutely adore her as Flo in The Bold and the Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> that show is fantastic. I, well, that's one of my stories. And, <laughs> and, like, she plays the daughter of Denise Richards. And, like, she oh. wound up having a baby and sold it to Wayne Brady. <laughs> Who sold it to somebody else because she thought that her baby died during miscarriage because Wayne Brady was the doctor and said, yeah, your baby's dead, but here's another baby. So she traded, Wayne Brady traded... Katrina Bowden's baby. Yeah. Who's I would listen to an entire episode of you just doing a recap of, of this, the bold, of this yeah. storyline. <laughs> Fucking the bold and beautiful is great, man. Fucking new direction for Media Rewind. <laughs> there we go. We're going to start doing recap. Dustin's going to be buckle up, Dustin. He's going to fucking hate it. He's going to hate it. Man, can we do some like, are they, who's, when are they going to die? There's plenty of deaths. There was fucking one person got dipped in acid in one of the episodes. I shit you not. Are you sure it's not passions you're talking about? No, it's fine. Oh, no, no, it's bold and the beautiful, okay. dude. It's bold okay. and the beautiful. Like, he fucking knows his soaps. That's yeah. <laughs> Just the bold and beautiful. Don't don't mess with his uh, genius's stories my now. Story, that's my story. Well, let's get back to the story that is Tucker and Dale versus <laughs> evil here. Um, we talked a little bit about the cast, but ultimately the kills themselves, you talked about how they kind of had an impact. Do you have a standout kill at this point? Um, I really like, I, I just was laughing my ass off. I think of the first one where it's the, the accidental cut into the hornet's nest oh. and they're running along and they're looking at each other and he's, and he's like, what are you running from? Um, and I just like every single kill after that, I, I keep going back to the first one and it's just fucking hilarious. And I think the kill of impaling and then him not even realizing the guy died and he just continues running is the um fucking funniest one of the whole bunch. the realization that he was running after bees the whole time yeah now what's what's even better about that because i know you you've talked about being a little like on the outside of the horror genre still so that scene is actually a huge homage to texas chainsaw massacre uh-huh Oh, see, and that's—I mm-hmm. don't think I would have picked that yeah. up. That's, see, wonderful, and, yes, and it didn't that, matter. No, it didn't matter because it's still his favorite ooh, kill. That's that's, that's impressive. That is impressive, and that's that's why I love this movie because <laughs> I've watched it as somebody who has no yep. horror experience, and now somebody who's who been does, in yes. the genre yeah. a while. Ooh, ooh. 
how does it enhance the film it for does. you then? Oh, okay. it completely does. Okay. Uh, because now, like, rolling up the first time, they roll up and it's like, oh, yeah, cool, cabin. We know that trope. And they roll up after you watch it watch wow. horror for a while i was like that's the evil dead cabin that's that's ash's cabin right. say, that's that's one of the only references that i can say i definitely did recognize mm-hmm. but that's okay this is why i love the perspective and how as a horror fan you can rewatch these films and over time mm-hmm. your find, perspective changes find and new things yeah. and yeah. yeah and especially even if you're watching other films and then coming back to a film like like cabin in the woods ultimately yeah I this think is would, such a good pairing with Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. both. Yeah. And didn't we talk Cabin in the Woods? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honorable mentions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, I think we pissed a lot of people yeah, off with that one. I yeah. did. I did want to mention that I as ask, I was looking look through the bracket. Just I'm like, huh. Oh no! Trust me. Huh. 1990. We lost yeah. everyone so with Exorcist three. Yeah. You know, and then we we pissed everybody off with Exorcist our eight, 19. Oh. Oh, it's no, not it on there. Not I was going to say, it's yeah. good. And no, then I checked. I was like, oh. And then we pissed everybody off in the 80s with the Hen and Lauder hoedown. So <laughs> we, you can't please everyone with the madness. But ultimately, final thoughts here before we truly have to go mad and send one of these two, one of these films into the round of the Hateful Eight. So final thoughts oh, on Tucker right. and Dale versus Evil? This a, was the one I did not take notes for. So I, I, forgot. A, I have a pick for your genre question. Ooh, yeah. I Ooh. think that this whole film hinges on not understanding what's going on. I would really like to see them in a J horror film. <laughs> oh, Tucker and right. Dale go to big in Tucker and Dale big, big in Japan. Japan. <laughs> oh, oh, that's brilliant! You want to talk about cross cultural miscommunication barriers? Yeah, and then like, hey, there's there there's a Tucker, there's a little guy, a little kid over there meowing at me. <laughs> What's going on? Why why is that kid meow? Just look him in the eye, show him who's boss, <laughs> stand your ground. Oh my God, that. I'm just saying. I like that. That's I like that too. Beyond, oh my god, I really need that in my life now. Well, <laughs> so as, my pick for that, I will be quick because oh, no, no, we you're do good, have to good. get to the no, no. deliberation. <laughs> but um, I I like the idea of Tucker and Dale go to college and enroll in Miskatonic University. Oh, oh, we, oh the shit. Tucker and Dale take on the Lovecraft mythos and uh, they are not smart enough to lose their minds with the things they're exposed <laughs> to. <laughs> Holy shit. I, are we writing any of these I down, think, gentlemen? I'm that's, just saying. That's a copyright. We have a team that if these get made and we're not involved, we're right. coming for you. Who the hell is this for in Nightmare Junket? Very litigious. <laughs> Tucker and Dale versus lawsuits. <laughs> I really like how much we're defending our intellectual property that we don't Doesn't own. Right. <laughs> Oh my lord! Tucker and Dale's arse now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It has logic has no place in it, but logic does have a place here in our two criteria that we're going to look at here. And again, in the round of the Scream Sixteen, uh, you know, it's a criteria we like so much we do it twice. Yep. It is which of the two films are closer to your heart? Closer to uh. the heart. Uh, ultimately, which one gives you more nostalgia? And then the second film, going from the heart to the head, if you removed one of the films. Which one would leave the year of 2010 poorer? So we're going to start with the heart, closer to the heart. I'm going to throw it out here. Ty, Jeff, which of the two films, Frozen or Tucker and Dale versus Evil, is closer to your heart? So closer to my heart is Tucker and Dale, okay. hands down. I've seen it, I believe, four times now. And I just, I, I love this movie. If you had seen it... If you'd seen Frozen more, do you think it may have a little bit more t- close to the it, it? It potentially could if I had, 
if I had time to grow with Frozen and revisit it more, but mm-hmm. the problem with that is if I want to watch an Adam Green movie, I'm probably going to throw on Hatchet. That is fair. See, again, that's mm-hmm. showing the work. That's yep. what we it's love there. here. It is there. All right, Jeff, closer to the heart. See, I think for, for me this one is easy, but it probably does have to do with when I saw yep. it, what I got into afterwards, and how many times I've seen it. I've definitely seen Tucker and Dale more. Um, definitely closer to my heart, so I'm definitely picking um, that one. I would say I'd credit that, Cabin in the Woods, Shaun of the Dead, and... Um, oh, man, all... There's mm-hmm. another... Fuck. There's another one that I'm definitely missing. As part of, but I would say there's there's three or four that I credit for getting me into horror. And so I have to give it to, to Based on the journey yeah. that you guys just yeah. disclosed, that makes perfect sense. And totally showing the work there. Genius. Uh, as much as I love Frozen and seeing its visceral power firsthand, uh, I got to go with Tucker and Dale for Closer to the Heart. Uh, one, I have an extreme soft spot for horror comedies. I mean, just that's my jam right there. And to have a horror comedy so pitch perfect in its delivery, in its humor, and the message it's trying to get across for a movie all about miscommunication, you understand exactly what it's going mm-hmm. for. So I got to go Tucker and Dale. I'm going to, and again, my going back to growing, going through relationships with these films, but ultimately because having seen it recently in the theater with Adam Green, with so many of my friends, with my own personal snowboard up on the stage, it's going to nail me in the nostalgia, the that heart there. Magic. The fact that it's like, someone threw a snowboard up here? We're like, ambiance, <laughs> feng shui. <laughs> so I've got to go Frozen. Now, that being said, I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting ready to see Tucker and Dale versus Evil as part of Terror Tuesday in just a few days. Had we recorded a day after that, my answer yeah. could have changed. But as of right now, my vote is going to Frozen. Now, that being said... This is a tough one, but if you removed one of the films, which one would ultimately leave the year of 2010 poorer? So again, I'm going to start with guests first. Who wants to throw in on this one? I think you should throw in Ty because I, as far as a mm-hmm. horror historian or knowing <laughs> knowing about the year 2010, I think you mm-hmm. have a better pulse on this. So, and I, I wasn't aware of this when it came out in 2010. I, you know, was completely just outside of the horror community. But what I do think is that, uh, so I, I I won't try any build up. I am going to give this one to Frozen. That's this fair. is going to go Frozen because while Tucker and Dale is a classic and it has cemented itself as just an all-time horror comedy, that doesn't really change anything about the world outside of that movie or the community outside of that movie. Whereas Frozen, Frozen we're getting... 10th anniversary screenings here at our local horror film festival so for that alone kansas city is left poorer without frozen being a movie so that's it's hard to not vote for it in that sense that totally makes sense and believe me if someone was there it was well worth it it was well worth it jeff yeah i uh i can't say what i think it has in its place in history for 2010 um but knowing there are people that 10 years ago like me use it as a gateway, I'm, I'm probably still giving it to Tucker and Dale. Of course. No, that totally makes sense. Genius. Um, I think you said, Ty, earlier, um, when you want to see an Adam Green movie, you'll see an Adam Green movie, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this one, for what would leave uh, 2010 poorer, I'm going to go with Tucker and Dale. If you take away Frozen, you'll still have a mm-hmm. good Adam Green catalog. Yeah, yeah. There'll still be a lot of good Adam Green stuff. You take away Tucker and Dale versus Evil, you take away one of the best horror comedies of all time. 
at Hot Take. Of all time. Yeah. All time. All time. <laughs> at least top 10. Yeah. And those are few and far in between. Yeah. So you take away something extra special when you get away from Tucker and Dale. Not that Frozen's not bad. Frozen is great. But again, like, hey, let's see an Adam Green movie. Fucking Hatchet too. You know? <laughs> so like, so yeah. Nope. Totally makes sense. This one is really tough for me because I kind of went with your rationale genius just if you did take frozen away with adam green you still have the hatchet franchise you have holliston you have digging up the marrow you still have spiral with tucker and dale versus evil the filmmaker the director eli craig he didn't really go on to make a lot of films um had that one in recent one with adam scott where they had the little Antichrist kid. Oh, that was that a was good him? movie. That I was like him. that. that, I like that. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Little, little Devil. Evil. There it is. Yeah. Little Evil. Again, a film that not a lot of people saw, but those mm-hmm. that saw it really responded yeah. well to it. So looking at if you took both of these, one of these films away, with Frozen, Adam Green still has a pretty impressive you know, uh, body of work. But Eli Craig, outside of Tucker and Dale, it's it's pretty rough. So even based on that alone, uh, I'm going to say... Zombieland. The TV version, not oh. the original. Yeah, no, that was Ruben Flesh and all those That's cats. Right. But no, by almost an or by four, six to two, a little miscommunication, this and that. But Tucker and Dale versus Evil is going into the round of the Hateful Eight. All right. Not too bad, not too bad. Now, going from what I know was a tougher decision to two films that, again, I'm curious to see because they are terrifying in their own way and definitely makes for an interesting battle but we have the remake of the crazies and we have james wan's insidious which shall we talk first let's uh let's talk crazies first the crazies it is getting crazy i this was when we were talking off mic and you guys were mentioning your connection kind of you had with the crazy so let's just start there initially not so much with the film but why it resonated so much Mm -hmm. with you so we're we're so Tyler and I are both from a small town, um, and Riley, who's also on our pod, is from the same small town. So anytime we see a small town movie in general, we always talk way too long on our pod about <laughs> it. Um, you can catch our Footloose episode. We talk about <laughs> watermelon rolling for about ten minutes that you definitely need to listen to, which is a real thing that we really did. Um, but I think anytime you you do that and you see the the small town shit between the characters, that resonates really strong because we lived all that dumb small yeah. town shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea that those characters and those interactions like deepen some of the danger that occurs um is like totally real and you're like mm-hmm. yeah if that happened to our town it would exactly happen like, like the crazies mm-hmm. there's nothing about that that would be different what i love is it's it's the ultimate small town oh yeah we're gonna ignore what they're doing over there because the town continues to operate after the first two murders yep or mm-hmm. murders that, for the right. second one but right. yeah they everybody just going on about their business, not really paying attention to anything else. Town's operating as normal, and you have your Mayor Vaughn stand in, <laughs> which is an incredible scene. Well, and you mentioned the fact that that perspective comes in that you would think ultimately, like, the uh, the town would shut down after a murder, mm-hmm. but no, ultimately, yes. everything is still going to go on. Have you seen Critters 2? Yes! Yes! <laughs> Speaking of small towns, that would... <laughs> Play, actually play pretty interestingly. Actually, yeah, double Not just small towns, but small town Kansas. Yes. There we go. Oh. Yeah. From poisoned uh, water supply to the hungry heifer. So Now, is 
Critters 2 or 3, the one with Leo? That would be number that's 3, three and that's set in Topeka. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's wow. bizarre, the, the Critters connection it's that so exists weird. out there. <laughs> crazy for Critters. Crazy for Critters. <laughs> is the director from Kansas or something? Is there you a would, connection? I no, it's just set. It's it. just yeah. set. The, it just the original one was set in Kansas, mm-hmm. and then they're like, well, let's do a part 2 in the same town, and then like, well, they moved to the big city. What's the big city? Oh, Topeka. <laughs> big <city>. So... <laughs> So and then and then part four goes to space because that's the not logical name from Topeka to space. <laughs> the funniest so. thing is that if you're listening to this podcast and you're not from Kansas, the fact that we're choking about Topeka being the big city is like totally lost. We're getting yeah. so regional. regional. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's anyway, let's get crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go back because <laughs> we, we can so, go on a t- I can go on yeah. a tangent for crazy. So this too. is exactly what happens yep. on ours. It, we we encourage that, but ultimately, then given that perspective. Was this a first time viewing for any of you then for this one? No, so Crazies is, is one that I saw probably pretty close to when it came out. I Excellent. don't think I saw it in theaters, but I, I think I saw it like really soon after it came on video. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. might have seen that in 2010, maybe 2011. Yeah. Which, like I said, was not like I wasn't super into horror as a teenager. But we definitely watched this. And uh, I, th- I remember really liking it yeah. then, which is... Again, strange, because it wasn't something that I was normally watching. I did see it in 2010. Did we see this together? We oh, Did you come over? <laughs> the question, did you come over to my dorm to watch it? Because that's no, where I, I watched it. it. I, uh, to set the stage. Sure. Yeah, was it was say. freshman year. Picture of Sicily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I bring up uh, the dorm is because people knew I wasn't a scary movie guy. And a couple of us watched this, and like it got out that we were watching a horror movie. And so I'm just sitting there watching. I think it happened right around the pitchfork scene that, like, I'm sitting there, like, hands on my thighs, and then on the back door or on the door of my dorm, somebody is. I jumped up off the couch and I screamed. Holy shit, it's the crazies! (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's poisoned the dorm water! Well, I was afraid someone was trying to scare you on purpose. They were. Oh, okay. Oh, they, and they so, knew I was. <laughs> so there was some peripheral viewing yes. going on at yeah. that time. Peripheral oh, listening. Oh, God. That's so cruel. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Being hazed by the. Shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> so that's a pretty. So what was it like then revisiting the film? Because then how long it has been since you'd then rewatched it? I don't know if I had seen yeah, it again since. since okay. that, that was the one time for me. <laughs> After that, it's voice is enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you experience any PTSD then leading up to that scene where you're kind of looking around? Like, no, wait, just, wait for just, the door to open and shit? The, the PTSD from a college viewing of one of these movies is so much worse with another movie that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Oh, no. Bit. Oh, no. But, okay. Um, That's... This was a pattern whenever we watched the movie. It's... Uh, <laughs> 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 It's just cruel and unusual. It, it sounds is. like they were doing like the Ludovico <laughs> treatment to you. And just <laughs> Dude, next, it's, uh, when you hear horror, when you watch horror movies, do you hear da 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 da? Just taping his eyes open. Right. <laughs> so horrible. So horrible. So uh, you already talked a little mm-hmm. bit about the pitchfork scene. Any standout moments for you with the crazies? Oh man, I uh, I still think my two favorites are like right at the very beginning and right at the very end. So right at the beginning where it's the walking onto the, the softball. Field. That was tense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it builds such good tension and it's also, again, very believable for like what everybody would do. Like everybody's like, okay, we're going to pull into the dugout, but then the cop's going to be like, I'm going to go talk it's, to him. Mm-hmm. I know him. 
which is a thing again that only yeah, exists in small towns, right? And uh, and so I think it was amazing to try to talk down that he does. I was amazed that he went for the headshot right away. <laughs> right? <laughs> like he doesn't he doesn't try to like incapacitate him. Consummate professional because he's Timothy motherfucking Oliphant. That's he's why like, I have been waiting to kill someone in this town for so <laughs> long. I'm sick of your shit, Bert. Pop. <laughs> I do want to touch on multiple times in my notes. I just have written Timothy Oliphant rules. <laughs> exactly. I love me some Timothy Oliphant. Is this pre or post justified? This is pre justified, okay. but this is post uh, girl next door. Uh, oh yeah. No. Well, where, where does Deadwood fall into that? Oh. Had to be post Deadwood. Okay. Deadwood was mid 2000s. Okay. That's right? fair then. That's fair. So okay. he's already established like mm-hmm. a really good body of work. And mm-hmm. I will, yeah, I will actually say uh, one that would go really well with the girl next door because it's playing off the the whole thing is a risky business. Oh yeah. But you go from Joe Pantoliano, Pantoliano to Timothy Oliphant and that character, and he shows yeah. that level of mania he has. So the entire time as the sheriff, like you said, I'm just waiting for him to go off. And like you mm-hmm. said, he was just looking for that reason. Yeah. Just has that Oliphant simmer. That's mm-hmm. always there. It's insane how that works. And that movie's fucking tense. Yeah. And even movie. when you think everything's okay, like the car wash scene, oh. when you think they got away, like, nope, you know, and you're like, holy shit. The combination, I realized, I watched a little bit of behind the scenes on that. They did three different layered physical effects for that shot of the, really? the plane going by or the helicopter of the plane oh, yeah, going yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. And it's so effective. And it's just, even around this time, is you saw more CGI coming into play, mm-hmm. but it still haven't really enveloped everything or overtaken everything there was still kind of a balance for the most part and there was still a lot of movies that did it really poorly oh, right? yeah. and so when you saw yeah. somebody like actually do it well you're like oh, oh okay that's what it could be it can mm-hmm. be done well and it's finding that balance more than this, anything this is one that needs a 4k release I, I was i was looking at that as i was watching it like searching like there has to be a copy i found blu-ray and i'll probably pick that up but there there hasn't been a 4k release of hmm. this movie the Romero one just got an Arrow 4K yes, transfer. It did, which I need to rewatch that mm-hmm. on 4K because the, that's a question. Have you seen the original? Neither of us have. It's it's brief, like mm-hmm. a lot of his early work. Um, it's not subtle by yeah. any means, but it's good. It's good Romero. But and I was making this argument in the first round, but I think this is a film that really deserved to be remade because he just didn't really have a big budget on the original, and mm-hmm. you can kind of see the seams for the most part. And the story still has legs. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, it's still, like a movie made in 1960 is still prescient today. You know, that's one yeah. thing about this bracket. That, I mean, this whole March Madness, like you see certain themes keep coming up because yeah. it's still an agent of horror. Yeah. You know, like this this water supply being poisoned and every <laughs> your neighbors going bat shit and trying to kill everybody. Not being able to trust the government. Of you course. know, those oh, things. You, you can't trust the government? Huh? <laughs> According to Mr. Romero, and that's the one thing ultimately is you still feel like the satirical edge mm-hmm. coming out. Well, I love this movie. <clears throat> It doesn't give you a happy ending. Oh, it's it's, it's a mean ending. They it's... glass the town and then show that they're going to glass, glass Cedar Rapids. Yeah. That's why Stanley Kansas no longer exists, yeah. fellas. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. It's the craziest, man. I do one more thing about this movie. Um, for me, anyway, I wanted to touch on some of the writing and the dialogue that's really good that could have, if delivered just half, like, half a point poorly... It wouldn't have landed, but the, like, Timothy Oliphant's line, don't ask me why I can't leave without my wife, and I won't ask why you can. Major yeah. wife. Major wife guy. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> ton, of, ton of wife guy energy, but he that's such a good line. It's a happy wife, happy yeah. life. It's a very simple equation, yeah. and he knows. 
Here's a question. This movie, it seems like it seems like there's a lot in some of the brackets, but this one especially, Crazies just seemed went under the radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a wide release movie. I saw it in the mm-hmm. theaters, but I was like the only one. And it seems even to this day we're still we're we are celebrating its ten year anniversary. But as you're saying, like you guys wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't for the bracket. I mean, mm-hmm. it, possibly, but like you it's know, I have seen it's getting a little bit more of that second look. Mm-hmm. Um similar but not quite uh but reminiscent of the halloween 3 reappraisal uh whereas this one isn't because anybody thought it was bad nobody just nobody talked about it nobody saw it and now people are watching again they're like this is a really phenomenal movie it's what we're gonna see i think five ten years from now this is going to be the attitude around crawl and underwater yeah absolutely oh there are some ones that people Mm -hmm. totally slept on this year well that's the beauty and why we do these things is to these films are more than their opening weekend box mm-hmm. office sum. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that's what people don't understand, unfortunately. And Look at John Carpenter. Oh, God, yeah. You know? We've come to expect that at this point. Mm-hmm. At, but and I, you know, if we never see JC direct again, I'm okay with that. But ultimately, I think this was a remake that was worthy and definitely was warranted. So final thoughts on Crazies before we get into some haunted teens with Insidious. Just solid movie. If you're listening to this and you haven't watched The Crazies... You absolutely owe it to yourself to go watch because mm-hmm. it's it's more than what it seems like at first glance, and it's a deeper and more tense and thought-provoking movie than you would expect. I think what it's got, and, and what I think we're surprised that it didn't do better, is that it has all the, the hallmarks of a mainstream horror movie that people like. It's got mm-hmm. people that you know, mm-hmm. you know it's got... Um, you know, a story that's very compelling. And so I think while it does have like the deeper levels, even if you're not going and watching this for like a deep horror understanding, it's a great popcorn flick. Mm-hmm. And it's something yeah. that, yeah. that yeah. you know, in the middle of the week, you're like, I just want to watch something that's going to be good. Like it's a great two hours, even if you're not engaging with it deeply. Mm-hmm. And so, it's mean for a popcorn. It is mean. <laughs> I was and say, I love super that. mean. Oh, that's like uh, the prodigy. That came out this past year. I, I've seen that. Yeah. Mean, but a popcorn film? Oh, my God. It It's the meanest popcorn movie I've ever seen. And I think a lot of people panned it or just gave it very middling things. But I sat there watching it. And as I walked out there, I was like, this is this one's going to get revisited because this one's fun and this one's mean. And that, that's it has the same vibe to the crazy. Is Not, it a remake of the bear? Oh, that's the wrong prodigy. No, that that's the prophecy. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're thinking you're, and then that could go you know, the uh, that could actually go the Christopher, Christopher Walken, Walken one. Jay, so. there actually is though if you're into movies with bears, oh, there's just, one that just, just came out. Paddington Two. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> fucking Paddington Two is the best. Well, no, it's this one like they go to Sweden and there's there's oh, a big yeah. festival. Yeah. George Clooney is in it, I believe. Like it's, I think they actually was no, a I think sequel to the Prophecy. Oh yeah, no, oh, yeah, oh, the I'm, Grizzly Two. He's but talking I'm doing, about Midsummer. I'm doing a Midsummer yeah. bit. Well, I thought you guys are doing a bit together. As I sip my pink lemonade. <laughs> well, and that's what I thought, like, uh, Florence, uh, her her character from Little Women, when she makes her European-like yes. visit, you know, that that's what happened, Time right? together. Indeed, indeed. So we're going from the crazies to another film that, Ty, you just mentioned, you had a very oh, yeah. interesting first time viewing, but James Wan's Insidious. Let's... Oh, do you okay. need to lay out on the couch for this one? <laughs> yeah. So this one... I had moved out of the dorms into a house. It was the next year. Ooh, oh, no. Oh, no. I Steve. had I had avoided horror for a while at that point. And some of the guys were like, let's watch Insidious. Because some of the guys were huge into horror. And at that point, I still was not. 
This yeah. all goes all the way back to me watching The Strangers, which I talked yes, about last did. time yes, I was did. on. But it's time at home. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so this, they, they fucked with me more than it. Okay, so we finished watching the movie. One of the guys in the basement hits the breaker and turns oh, every light off in the house. Oh, no, no. And then another guy starts playing. They had planned this. Yeah, they start playing yes! Tip-Tap Through the Tulips in the Dark. And I run to the kitchen and I corner up. And we, I corner up. I'm like near I the knives. Wondered, I yeah. laughing, but it's just like, that's I'm, great. I'm near the knives like in case anything happens. And then <laughs> smart, somebody... Smart had run outside oh, and I, no. I forgot I was standing in front of a door in the kitchen that had been painted shut. And then somebody oh, pounds no. on the glass behind me and I ran out of the house. I was gone. I was gone. Oh my God. That's, that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. It's, it's a surprise that I ever came back that's to horror, horror and right? that, that I watched this movie again. What a commitment to a bit. Yeah. I mean, oh, I man. They sold that, it. I was I mean, thinking that that's wonderful. That's thanks. planning. Yeah. That's like strategery. That's like strategery. all sorts of great shit. That is commitment yeah. to a scare. Oh, my God. I. Because the movie itself, I think, is fairly terrifying. And starting it's, to sweat a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Between Tamara and the home invasion and fucking g- getting insidious. Fucking Darth. Did you think Darth Maul? Did you, th- <laughs> did you think it was like the little kid? Tiptoe through that, that kid? Because that kid, yeah. that movie. In Man, the theater, when he's just dancing. Dancing in the movie, people gasped yeah. at that scene. like, <gasps> And then when they, he ran out. People lost their shit, and, and I, I wanna, was one uh, of them. I want to talk about that scene. The that so as soon as it opens and you see him standing there, not moving, no. and he's in the background. The fact that they just drop him in there, just no sound cue, right. nothing like that, in a movie that loves using their sound Sounds, cues, and oh. they do it so perfectly, but they just have him there. And then the music changes. And then she goes outside and he's just doing his little like shaky dance. Like it as soon as it's, you see him, I held my breath for that entire yeah. sequence. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, the, even having seen it before. Like Jeff's over here shaking his head, just like, no, 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 no. We've obviously going through some of the trauma. So was this one <laughs> Talk it out, man. Was this a first time watch for you then? This was a first time watch for me. So I had never I'd never seen it before. And I <laughs> I think I only connected to this my only connection to this movie was actually through like memes of the guy with the red face. Yes. You know what I yes, mean? Yep. Of just like popping up behind people. So you knew that was coming eventually. I, I knew it was you know what? I knew it was. I knew it existed. I'm not sure I knew it was part of this movie. Even better. So yeah. like when I when I saw it, then I kind of connected it back, um, and I was like, "Fuck! Like that is that is going to be a huge part of this movie, and I am not going to have a good time. Straight up, not having a good time." So are are you a, the haunted house movies? Because ultimately, it is a haunted. Well, technically a haunted teen yes. movie, but presents itself as a haunted house. And I will say this. Since I've now been alone for five plus years and haven't been cohabitating 10 plus years, haunted house movies now affect me in a different way. And I mentioned at the last episode, I had my headphones in watching from a laptop was my first time watching it for this for this thing. Mm -hmm. Were you did you have your back against a wall? Oh, I was in my bed and I was terrified yeah. it was because your bed's not a safe place in this no, movie no it's no, not there's nothing safe it's where in the this horrible movie. shit happens it's, 
God, he, it's... he texted me. Oh, he I, had, yeah, and I don't and do that. He doesn't I, do that. Like, I, I think like I, there's only been a few times. Is he? That was your eating alive movie, dude. Was, yeah. That was your eating alive. I was so frightened throughout this film, and it's been a while since a movie's really made mm-hmm. me do that. And you mentioned before it was the sound design. Um, so, you, was there any particular standout scenes for you on this one? Oh man, was it like? I mean, your overall reaction to it is this? You, will you see this one again? I think I will. I will say my how I felt about this film in the hour after watching it feels <laughs> feels very different than how I feel talking about it now. Because well, mm-hmm. I think like afterwards, I was just like, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure I actually thought I liked it. And now that I like can process it a little bit more and got further away, I actually think I like it a lot more. Um, I'm really interested to see did because there's two there's two more yeah there's four, another there are three more four <laughs> don't are two and three worth my time or? two and three two I liked mm-hmm. um three I didn't get a chance to see and I think there was only I thought there was is there four there is it's not advertised for it's the Ling Shay prequel the last key and I thought I that would, was three. I think I'm not Insidious sure. I'd have to check. Key, I, Insidious the last key. I think there's here. Insidious oh, okay. 2, and then I think it's Insidious 3, the last yeah. key, because I, I get that, the Insidious universe and the Conjuring universe yes. mixed up. I did too, because Patrick that's Wilson. both, and, say, and James Wan. And oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like... Oh, no, it is Insidious Chapter 3, and then Insidious, the last key. God, that's crazy. So there's four. Mm-hmm. So, damn. Now, I've only seen two, mm-hmm. but I like them. I will say, so... As far as genres go, right, the the haunted house slash like demon possession is probably the thing that freaks me out the most because it's the only thing that I like. I at least partially like believe about the world. Ooh, like I'm not okay. actually like I'm not worried about zombies. Although like the plot of the crazies could happen, <laughs> right. but I'm not as concerned about it happening necessarily <laughs> as I am about like the haunted house demon shit. Um, and so I try not to fuck with it, um, in that I'm, I'm, That's... I try not to be like, oh, that would never happen. Cause then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck it'll happen. Yeah. Um, right. like the, knocking on wood as the I'm spirits are it. listening in on you as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry. They don't listen to the show. So you're fine. <laughs> Talking about genres. Something that this movie does really well is it riffs on so many different subgenres of horror. I was going to say, what would you, what would you even yeah. classify this? So, well? Cause it is haunted house. It is. You have the possession, possession, you have the haunted house. You, you get real weird with it. You get the high concept astral plane shit. Mm-hmm. You, there are elements of J horror here. Yeah. Um, when they, whenever he does that kind of snap cut that has a few frames missing when suddenly like the best example I can think of is the like, searching the house montage the when camera Tucker inspects the camera yes. and they like it's those two women and they go from like a stone face and then it's like a stuttered to a smile um and it's very jerky and not that smooth is. and that has a ton of j-horror influence there so there's yeah there's so much happening in this movie and um i want to i want to talk about and i'll probably talk about it later but does this move if this movie doesn't do well do we get the conjuring and we my whole thing is i confuse this with the conjuring mm-hmm. and sinister and all of those films yeah. that's a good question because they much like when like uh the abyss deep star six and leviathan came about you get those films that mm-hmm. all kind of have the same they're throwing on the same mm-hmm. hot streak but or james whatever. wan did them both yeah which is interesting yeah. so yeah no i think one definitely feeds into the other one mm-hmm. um and I will say this you know this is this was a wonderful first time viewing for yeah. me i just was i was scared I'm curious, though, and this is something that's kind of been divisive for us. What are your thoughts when eventually you go into the, the astral, astral plane? Did that did that 
were you like okay or were you like man you know because like i remember when i first saw this in the theater i was as soon as they got on the astral plane i was like you know and even into this even into the second reviewing i rewatch i really 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 enjoyed like three quarters of the movie but then towards the end when it like became a little bit different and the main villain's not the main villain after all and it's sequel bait type thing and then the astral Mm -hmm. i it just i was like you did really 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 (laughs) really good but you didn't quite you you know you didn't stick the landing just that one slight little misstep you still got a high score from the Mm -hmm. east german judge and that's hard to do (laughs) But it wasn't a perfect score, and so that's my only beef. I would say that the astral plane stuff was was interesting for me. It it felt like it almost belonged in a different movie. Yes, um, it's it's very high concept, right? And I have no problem mixing like low, medium, highbrow together. Mm-hmm. But it it did feel like you were at a very different part of the movie, and I I think that was the only part of the movie that for me like felt like it took a long time. Yeah. Um, once they get into what's the what's the red face character's name? Lipstick Demon. Yeah, Lipstick Demon. That's actually his name. Once they get to the <laughs> once he gets to the door and once they're in there, I really liked that because to me that's still like the most terrifying character type of thing. But like once they once he goes in and once he comes out, everything before and after that for me was the part that really dragged. Um, mm. That. I'm not saying that we should get gotten rid of it, but it was the part where I would like did check my phone a couple of times. You know what I mean? That's type fair. Of thing. And, that's and that's fair. that's kind of my threshold for whether or not the movie is like holding my attention. Is do I would I rather that's, be doing something else in this exact mm-hmm. moment? And that's yeah. usually when I pull out my phone to do something. Interesting. That's an interesting way though to gauge yeah. whether or not the film is okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick no, pause. Okay. All right, so uh, before we start debating the uh, things here, final thoughts then on Insidious there? Uh, So, and you guys will be familiar with this. Jeff will not. There is a horror writer, Anya Stanley. Oh, yes. I I follow her. Okay, yeah, yeah. so she has talked about uh, how any movie that does a setting up a haunted house like search scene, like getting all the flashbulbs, getting everything out, that is incredibly her shit, and that is also, like, that's the kind of thing I love in a movie. Give me a tropey fucking scene of all these paranormal investigators coming in, and then you have this insane seance scene. Yeah, yes. I yeah. love it so yeah. much. They take so the metal. tropes and they so just metal. switch it around. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that you're having a seance with a fucking gas mask. Yeah. How dope is that? That would It would be play good with Drag Me to Hell. Yes. The seance yeah. with the goat. Yeah. Yeah. And just the Mad Capri and the scary face. Because I tell you what, man, that is a Insidious is a scary fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. A, people are like, oh, there's no more scary movies in the Insidious is scary mm-hmm. as shit. It's also, scary. do you think so? This was a PG 13 movie of all things to scare the hell out of us. But do you think they got around their one F word per movie by having it written one of the times? Uh, probably and multiple they, times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause <laughs> it, it's spoken once and then every other time it's you written, see it written. Uh, they probably did that on purpose because yeah. if ultimately would you consider this like a gateway film? 
much the way Tucker and Dale I, versus Evil was I, for you? I don't think you could. Because I think like, this is a scary movie for PG-13 this regardless. This was one of those, like, I tried to jump back into horror with it and it did not go well. <laughs> PG-13, that's fine. That's not scary. <laughs> this is something that if you actually took a 13-year-old to it, like, I'm not yeah. sure this is actually for them. You no, know, this probably should no. be a 17 and up movie. Yeah. Just for its for its themes of shit, man. Well, yeah, they, you see the uh, the MPAA rating yes, for terror. Yes, like, this is this. Thank you. Yeah. They cut so much shit for terror or dread, and yeah. it's like, wait, this isn't terror or dread? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And why me? are you cutting for terror or dread? Fuck off. It, you know it, what I'm it, saying? It's the we MPA, want our, We want our terror. We want our dread. First of all, if there's anything that 13-year-olds can handle, it's like violence. Mm-hmm. Sure. But if you're talking about like scary demon shit, like that's probably the thing you should jump it like, up for. Yeah. Okay, so a 13-year-old kid can see some horrendous shit, but they can't see some kid dancing a fucking tiny Tim <laughs> well, you know without why? pissing their pants. It's because your home is supposed to be where you're safe, yeah. and that anytime you interject something that takes away that safety whether it is you know looking for Tamra or what have you it's it's terrifying regardless it's, the it's also like when you go to sleep like he just went to sleep and didn't never never wake woke up, woke up. Yeah. never woke up that's some scary shit then he's constantly being chased by fucking Darth oh, Maul that's... fuck all that noise well, dude it's Darth Maul and all the assorted characters that are out for him that Lee whole... Winnell and shit pop, pop, it's, popping up it's, <laughs> it's it's a glorious film and I'm glad I was able to see it for the first time but as much, much as we love both of these films only one can advance into the round of the hateful eight so we're going to start off with our criteria. Which of the two films, The Crazies or Insidious, is closer to your heart? Let's go ahead and start with you there, Jeff. I think The Crazies, for me, is closer to my heart. Um, not only from when I saw it, but the, just the connection to the, stuff in my real life. And I, they always say, like, write what you know. And so watch what you know in this one is like, it's a total <laughs> true thing for me in that there's so much more I connect to in this than some other movies, for sure. Perfect. And it... No surprise, my closer to the heart is going to Insidious for just it. It has left its mark on me for years. If your friends do that, yeah. If if your friends would do that for for every movie, man, I mean, that would be coming up next in Feel a Vision. Not not watching Deep Throat this time, right? (laughs) And. If we if we can, you just found out some really amazing news and congratulations. Yes, so I'm uh, not going to say whether or not this would be the film to break in the new place. Yeah, oh, no. I think when, a, when a I, double bill of the strangers and, and Tam- Insidious. Yeah, there we go. Oh my god, is Tamara home? That that's what's going to be. Leave and never come back. That's when you're ready Tip, to call it a home. Tiptoe. That's the double yeah. the double the bill. Tamara. <laughs> The first, okay, so honestly, the first movie I saw when I got my own home, the very first movie was We Are Still Here. Ooh, oh, with okay. your basement? With Forget my about basement. It. No, uh, no. I, I love that movie to this day, but the yeah. reason I bought my home is because I have an Evil Dead like cellar uh-huh. drawer basement. So to each their own, but again, congratulations. Thank you. So, genius. Crazies um, or Insidious, closer to your heart. I saw both these movies in the theater, I both remember these movies fondly. Here's the thing. Normally, I would go with Insidious because such those good scares. But it's that third act, that that little third act stumble that's giving me pause. But the crazies is solid throughout. I mean, all the way to the end. You're just that end. You're like, man, fuck. (laughs) God damn. Just when you didn't think, you know, you just had all this maim and murder. And they drop the fucking bomb on the small town. So they dwell on the dower. I got to go with the crazies for closer. That totally works. I'm going to actually go the fact that I did see the crazies in the theater, but man, that initial viewing with Insidious, I, it's just so memorable for me. 
that I was just so terrified. And I'm looking down for Lola for some support, but she's older now. Her hearing's going out, so God forbid there is <laughs> some sort Maul of behind I'm, you. I won't stand a chance. And there's that terror that just made me just enjoy this film so much, just talking about it. So for me, it's definitely insidious. Now, that being said, if you remove one of these films from the year of 2010. Which one is going to leave the year poor? And I think this one will lead some interesting discussion, but we're going to leave it up to you guys. Who wants to go first on this one? So I think um, <laughs> with, with The Crazies, it is a phenomenal movie, but as we talked about, it's something nobody saw. Yeah. And it's one, and you hate to say it this way, but it's one, if it was gone, like the current situation we're in probably wouldn't be much different. It, yeah. it gets talked about, but not a ton. Whereas Insidious... Uh, while you do have all of James Wan's other fantastic work, you have Saw, and Saw is really what put him on the map, but this is when he started, this laid the setting for the Conjureverse, and has indirectly shaped what horror is today. Uh, so if this movie isn't, isn't put out, isn't successful, and one eventually becomes its own franchise, but uh, showing that James Wan can do kind of your blockbustery haunted house haunted teen possession horror it set the stage for the horror universe that we're seeing now because the conjuring is still putting out solid movies yeah so. save for a few but yeah, the, with, with spinoffs too, yeah right, Good right. Bad, but now yeah. that makes sense so insidious on that one yes insidious Excellent. insidious it also is. did one we since we did talk about the conjuring very brief note is patrick wilson the most handsome man working in horror today Possibly, it's possibly working He's, in horror. Again, I'd, I, I'd, I'll have to. Think I consider about this. Bruce Campbell retired. Oh no, 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 no! He, he definitely he does. <laughs> I, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a shame Robert Zadar passed because you know, for me, it's yeah. the pr- the prolific chin. So I, I will, I will cede to Patrick Wilson on this one. There, your thoughts then, there, uh, Jeff. Uh, ultimately, which one leaves the year of two thousand and ten poorer? Yeah, I think Ty took the words out of my mouth. Absolutely, <laughs> in that this is seems much more of a building block for everything that comes. Where the crazies, and I was trying to think about this. I, I meant to do some research before, but the crazies seems to me where it's like government conspiracy creates zombies and or killers, right? Seems to be a thing that like there was a lot of sure. around this time. Sure. And I don't know if there was a lot like right before and right after, but it seems more like part of the wave instead of a creation of the wave that Insidious, I think, has maybe a little bit more cred there. So if you take it out, I don't know that you get as much. But I think if you take the crazies out, as much as I like it, I don't know that anybody will miss it. That's totally fair. You could put totally it in fair. 2016. It could happen in 2000. Mm-hmm. Would yeah. have been the same way, I think, either, either way. No, that, and that truly showing your work. I love it. I love it. Genius. I'm going to have to say I'm going to agree with them. They are spot on with this one. Um, <laughs> one, if, if you take away the crazies, true, you will be taking away one of the true examples of a remake that can actually surpass the original one, which is extremely, extremely rare. That's a goddamn unicorn in the horror <laughs> world, right? <laughs> but at the same time, like you said, if they did, still nobody would have seen it. Yeah. I mean, nobody has seen this movie. It, even like hardcore horrors, like there's a lot of, I'm, I'm sure they're probably like, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. You know, but. It's truly something magical. However, like you said, I'm going to go beyond the Saw and Conjuring verse. I'm going to go Lee Wanell. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Lee Wanell wrote this movie, and I think this was one of his first Lee Wanell James. Well, this is one of the main ones, mm-hmm. and he kills it. 
He kills it. If we didn't have this one, I don't think we'd have Upgrade, Ooh, which oh. is one of my all-time favorite of newer have movies. The Invisible one Man. of our messiest episodes that of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to go with Insidious on this one. That totally makes sense. And I don't know if it's the group think or the fact that um, I'm just petrified of going against the grain and you know, upsetting <laughs> the, the, the status quo. But I'm also going to say Insidious on that because <clears throat> ultimately with the crazies, you still have the original which still would have inevitably find someone would have remade it anyway mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a lot of I think of the like I I'll be surprised if we don't see a remake of like um um uh, the season of the witch some early yeah. Romero work some of his non horror based I'm really think, holding think, out for Monkey Shines <laughs> Hey do you think they could remake Martin Let's go back to the bracket Ooh. I absolutely think they could I think so too and I know that is actually I believe that is getting a Blu-ray release here pretty soon Have which, you guys seen Martin I've seen that. I've seen some clips. It'll It'll be well worth worth your time. time. I think from what I've seen, you remake that, the guy to do it is Elijah Wood. Yeah. Yeah. And again, as as well, talking about going from Maniac to Martin. Yeah. The the M&Ms or S&Ms, regardless. (laughs) But it looks like by a count of the same, uh, we've got six to two, Insidious has weaved into the round of the Hateful Eight. So in the round of the Hateful Eight, we have Tucker and Dale versus Evil going up against Insidious. Holy smokes. Wow. 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 Bangers. They are. They are. Well, that's the, again, that's where the madness mm-hmm. comes from. But I cannot thank you both so much for do, taking the time to do this. So glad to be here. And I, I'm glad something fantabulous happened during the yes. recording of this. It's which a is, magical place down it, here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> magical shit happens under <laughs> Greg's basement. Not unlike <laughs> under the bridge. So again, please tell our listeners where can they find the podcast online? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at WTHITFpod and you can find us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts under Who the Hell Is This For? Excellent. So again, thank you so much for taking the time. And we're going to be take a brief break here. And when we come back, we're going to be in the round of the Hateful Eight as we debate Tucker and Dale versus Evil going up against Insidious. Tiptoe through the tulips by the window. That's where I need to Oh, And we are back, and as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, uh, let us again thank Ty and Jeff from the Who the Hell Is This For podcast, uh, and let's say goodbye to both Frozen and the Crazies, mm-hmm. as uh, neither had a lift ticket into the next round. So that, That's crazy. It's just, it, it happens that way. Uh, but inevitably, as one door closes, another one opens, and behind that door, we have an individual who... I can honestly say has made a huge impact in my life. Like no hyperbole, no waxing the car. Uh, Sincerely, sincerely. um, I won't get too emotional here, but you know him as the co-host of uh, both the Nerds of Nostalgia and Media Rewind. He is no stranger to Nightmare Junkhead or Into the Mouth of March Madness. Welcome him back. Dustin Pryor. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How we doing? Oh, you know, just... Loving the March Madness. Yeah, yeah the tr- a lot of madness going yes. on right now. Well, before we get into it proper, tell our listeners where can they find you out on social media. Please plug and promote away. You can find me personally at Mount Baldy on the Twitters. Um, I don't want to give up my Facebook because it's really just promotion and stupid memes. Uh, but yeah. the, the Media Rewind Pod, you can find that at Media Rewind Pod on Twitter and Media Rewind Pod at Gmail if you want to drop us a line with some hate mail. And Facebook. Oh, yes. We're and, on, the, we're on, and the book of faces. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. We're on Facebook. I mean, like, we're taking other people's faces and putting, taking them off. off. 
<laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> Wrong answer. Mm. Well, I, that's a nice segue then, ultimately, because you guys do um, really good recaps through Walking Dead, The Purge, two apocalyptic kind of shows <laughs> that are kind of really setting a <laughs> particular tone right now. Uh, and it's really funny because I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore, but I do listen to the show. Again, obvious chemistry between you guys, a lot of friendship there. But I didn't realize, I didn't know, I thought it was a bit that you guys were doing when it came to Alpha's voice. <laughs> Wrong answer, Greg. Uh, no. There will be conflict. <laughs> Consequences. I'm not watching, you know, the literal show. I thought you guys were doing a bit. And it wasn't until recent that he was like, no, no, no. Like, he showed me a clip and I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, no, it's an There's no bit. It's no. just an that's good. That it's, is very it's good. Just, it's just our, I guess, slur on her southerny twang. Mm -hmm. There the, will be podcasts. <laughs> it's the right answer. <laughs> well, it is appreciated, ultimately. Uh, so do you guys have any kind of um, thoughts, especially of where the season it's going to go at this point? You know, Genius and I talked about this quite a bit. There were quite a few people that fell off after the big death at the end of season six, um, where they killed a lot of characters and people didn't really like the grotesque nature in which they did it. Um, but honestly, the show has gotten considerably better since they moved Scott yeah. Gimple out of the showrunner role and brought in Angela Kang. Mm. I think she's done just, in, I, I can't even describe how well she's done in terms of like weaving the stories together and like bringing some of like the ancillary characters to the forefront because for what, seven seasons, it was the Rick Grimes, the Rick Grimes and friends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that pretty much was it. But now all of a sudden we're getting a lot more character development out of the secondary and tertiary characters, which is awesome. Yeah. Which is nice, which is yeah. nice. And quite honestly, again, in today's times, knowing how to deal with the apocalypse, especially long term, you right. know, Stock up on ramen, you know, you know what your lucky strikes and crossbows, I guess. Yeah, seven gallons of pudding mm. and strawberries. <laughs> Again, if you need to know what that's all about, take a listen into Media Rewind and their coverage of The Walking Dead, and of course, all the other good genre shows when they come back and around. Now, what do you have you thought about? Maybe what ideally you'll be going on into beyond The Walking Dead? Uh, the new Walking Dead spinoff. They they've announced that it's only going to be like a two season arc, mm -hmm. which is kind of going to bridge Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. I had no idea about yeah, that. It's going to lead into the movies. Yeah. So it's. <sighs> I mean, right. and then we've got the the Rick Grimes like trio of movies that are coming up um, that are really going to focus on him and what all happened in his story arc through the show. I still find it hard to believe that that's I, not necessarily hard to believe that that's going to launch a movie franchise for the most part or at least try but yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if it adapts from television to the big screen i think it'll be fantastic because i mean if you think about it like the greg nicotero episodes like this is a horror podcast so we know about like nicotero's action if he directs and does a full-on walking dead movie it would be a fantastic zombie movie no it, it absolutely would be because i mean he is like upper echelon i mean i would probably say top five in terms of like practical effects when it comes to like you know like necrotic skin and yeah. zombies and that kind of stuff so and the fact that as we always like to point out he is slowly and surely <laughs> he's turning into george J. romero exactly like with the vests and the the big old glasses every now. time i see him the glasses get bigger the hair gets longer the beard gets longer. I'm and waiting for him to talk like this, you know, <laughs> and just like <laughs> God love him. But that makes me wonder, though, is the only thing that they can add movie wise is just more foul language ultimately? Because, I mean, it's a super gory mo show, so you can't really add anything extra on the, the big screen that you're not necessarily seeing on TV. You know, and like early on in the seasons, in order to build their viewership, they kind of took all of like the real hardcore violence off screen. 
And then all of a sudden it was like once they introduced Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan, I mean, that completely switched and everything yeah. went on screen. And they, they have not like let up on the gas at all throughout the show. Yeah. So. so curious to see how it translates on there. And I'm, I'll be I'll be glad to get back in the theater again, ultimately. Yeah. Bottom line, one way or the other. Um, but we brought in Dustin here to help us. We've got two films from 2010 that had battled their way all the way from eight films to two. Uh, and you want to talk about two tonally different films making its way into the round of the Frightful <laughs> yeah, Four. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I ultimately like about the year of 2010, which we'll get into later. But we do have uh, Insidious going up against Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Dustin, which of the two shall we talk first? Uh, let's go ahead and do Tucker and Dale. That, that's a little bit further out of my, I guess, the the viewing like timeline. And it should also be noted, you know, Dustin, you are kind of our our go to expert for the action genre. Mm-hmm. That's not to say you don't enjoy. For in fact, I'd say part of the joy I've brought of bringing you into the show is uh, kind of exposing you to certain films, be it <laughs> pieces, pieces. <laughs> Parents was another one, if society. I remember right. Uh, yeah, society. I remember you had a, you had almost an Adrian-like reaction to society. Well, you know, I, in all fairness, I will I will say that you know Jay has tried to push me towards some of these uh, these movies over our thirty year history of being <laughs> friends, but it's really like you know Greg's like, oh, we're gonna watch a movie, and it's it's really. For me, at least, it's kind of fun because when I come over here, it's not just like my normal rotation. Yeah. You know, it's Getting not aliens, of- it's not Predator, it's not Rambo, <laughs> it's not Schwarzenegger. You know what I mean? It's it's like the the films that I wouldn't necessarily normally watch. Dude, your basement's Forty Second Street, dude. We got to get some beaded curtains right in the entryway. <laughs> well, I think ultimately, and I can't remember which film it was, but it was. I think it may have been it may have been Society, but or no, I think it was Pieces. Are like, well, that was another movie I watched with yeah, you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was an experience. <laughs> that and was I, another one. I mentioned that because of the two films we're talking here tonight. I think Tucker and Dale versus Evil is more up your alley in terms of a film that not necessarily is more genre friendly because it is a horror comedy, but it is something that isn't going to challenge you as much as a pieces per se. Right. Yeah. And and some of those like um, some of those like weird, more obscure eighties films. I'm not. I'm not. And I I don't mean to say weird in like a derogatory right, way. Right. Just oh no, we understand. Off, <laughs> more off the radar of like a, a typical movie viewer. You know, sure, somebody yeah. that would go in and seek one out. I mean, a lot of those eighties films I saw maybe once. You know, and you guys have watched those they're, repeatedly because they're in your rotation. Right, mm-hmm. right. But it's just, for me, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw that, like, back when it came out or, you know, when it was on Showtime or HBO or something like that. But I've never really revisited a lot of those. But, but, but you know, if I go, dude, you got to see this movie, you know? Dude, <laughs> and, and I mean, kudos to you because if you guys really press me to see something, it, I, I mean, even though it might not necessarily be in my wheelhouse, it's not like I've ever walked away from a movie that you guys have recommended and just been like, man, that was shit. Because, dude, you <laughs> introduced me to Step Brothers. You know, yeah, that's fair. You introduced me to Life Force. That's fair. You know, that's fair. Yeah, and well, and ultimately, I mentioned that because in this particular film, the there's two, a, I'm thinking of putting the two together. Life, like Force, Life Force and Step Brothers. <laughs> you wrecked my spaceship, you fucking goon. You know, <laughs> getting ready for the Catalina blood mixer. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's quite good. But I mentioned that because there's a lot of homages to some of the older horror films in Tucker and Dale. Mm-hmm. And if you're not necessarily attuned to it, you don't. Did you lose anything in the movie itself? I should say no. And that's a lot of what you know the comedy does. It it, it masks over a lot of like the small references that you would have missed if you weren't necessarily like in the horror genre. You know what I mean? Or you weren't a student of it. Yeah, and that's why I like having your kind of perspective and experience bringing in a lot of this because we like to say if you don't know the Easter egg, 
And if it doesn't take anything away from it, it's a perfectly placed Easter egg. Thing. Right. You know, it doesn't draw the viewer yeah. out. Yep. Was there any Easter eggs you caught? Mm, I'd have to go back and rewatch it for like content. I remember laughing a lot through that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, just for the goofiness of it and whatnot. Um, but none really stick out in my mind, like in the front of my mind. Well, and it's funny because the last time we talked with uh, the Who the Hell is This For show, and again, this is a while ago ultimately, but I was, it was, um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil was screening as an upcoming Terror Tuesday screening. Got to see it, and it, it, it played like I was hoping it would play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, we need to laugh now more than ever. <laughs> yeah. But man, it was cathartic. It was, you know, ultimately, and again, probably half the film, the theater was seeing it for the first time, which is always a joy, but to see it up on the big screen, because that's one that it had avoided, you know, evaded me at that point. I didn't see it back in 2010. And again, the humor hit, the horror hit, the gore hit. Yeah. It was just a way. And finding the balance on horror comedy is really tough, ultimately. It, it is tough because, I mean, coming from a, a quote, lay person in the genre, <laughs> I mean, really, the, the only one that really sticks out in my mind is Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. You know, it, and that's just because I love fucking Richard Jenkins. <laughs> just, hold on, hold on, hold on. I love. Richard Jenkins, not love fucking Richard Jenkins. <laughs> so let me, let me be clear. He's going to go down to the Cheesecake Factory. It's fine. <laughs> you fucking goon. <laughs> but no, I mean, just th- that kind of movie. I mean, that's really the only one I can really right. reference Tucker and Dale versus. You well, know I'd I mean? even challenge in terms of horror action hybrids. Again, a tough kind of balance. Uh, go to like Maniac Cop, Maniac mm-hmm. Cop 2. Dead Heat. You're that, like, that's at, comedy action. Aforementioned Predator, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot in the wheelhouse there. Um but seeing it up on the theater definitely enhanced the overall experience for me. So I know, just again, from one segment to the other, I'm glad I was able to have that experience ultimately. Because again, yeah. it plays well on the small screen, but... But I think the strength of this movie is the actual like character and the relationship between Tucker and Dale. Yeah. Just there are these lovable bumpkins that just try to like, wow, this place is... It's this dilapidated, <laughs> literal, deadite fucking and forest. And then he's like, this place is awesome. And then you see like... <laughs> and just like, they're so mirthful and they love life. And they like look around and they see like the the newspaper clippings of all the people that murdered and like holy shit buy one get one hot dog and so like there's no expiration date tucker and dale probably (laughs) have the ultimate perspective that you need in life that where you see dilapidated nastiness they say no that is all potential that is Mm -hmm. stuff that we can build and it's not naivety for the most part it's just there's an enduring like well, childlike, optimistic, like yeah. a child, like childlike nature. Well, maybe? the whole movie is about adverting uh, your perceptions yeah. because, like, right. like yeah. we're thinking of like normally, like if we saw like these guys with the axes and all mm. that shit, especially from us, like who are a well, coon. Well, like if we go to the horror barns, you know, we're driving down like to the things, you know, was, there's a barn and it's probably innocent as shit. Uh, probably a family grew up there that let it kind of like get a little bit weathered. But we're like, man, there's fucking bodies buried in that shit. I know it, you know. So <laughs> there, there's some like six foot nine fucking 400 pound lummox chopping up bodies and shit. Well, yeah. I'll be honest. You know, the first time I met you, Dustin, if people don't know what Dustin Dustin is, I thought a, I was a, lo- a murdering. No, 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 no. He's not far off. No. <laughs> Dustin is a very large, imposing dude. He's got the, the clean shaven bald head right now. He's got the, the playoff beard going. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know him and if you just viewed by appearance, he would look very not intimidating, intimidating. Yes. But the minute you get to know him, the minute he opens his mouth, you're like, oh, he's just, he's just a big old nerd. And then I laugh. And it's, well, <laughs> and I'll even say, you know, if you go back to our Nerds and Nostalgia episode where we did the Mad Max franchise, mm. was the first time we had you on as uh, a guest host. 
And that was the first time Jay was like, oh, by the way, this is my friend Dustin. Can he come on? I'm like, sure. There was that initial like, <gasps> Who, like, oh my God, do we have like a, a do we have our like bodyguard Leave member? the mic and walk away. So, so I should have walked in in a hockey mask and bondage <laughs> gear, you know, kind of get in character. Hey guys, I hear you talking about the spot. <laughs> but it was great because again, if, if anyone even looked at the three of us, like walking down the street, there would be a lot of assumptions probably just based on that appearance. They'd again, be like, who kidnapped the small guy? <laughs> do you need help? Just mouth the word help. It's Come okay. with us, nerd. <laughs> But again, more than meets the eye ultimately, and that's what I love about this movie. It truly does go beyond what you expect it to be, and I think ultimately that's why we are still talking about that one right now. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to my girl Katrina Bowden, Flo from The Boat and the Beautiful, who killed it in this movie. She's actually, the chemistry between her and Tyler Labine. Mm-hmm. Allie and, yeah. Works so well. It mm-hmm. works so well. Um, even And then just every little bit um, with the carnage. Just hearing people react because it just levels up, and it's good practical gore for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it just it it balances well. It balances well. It's yeah. quite good. It's yeah. quite good. So, final thoughts on Tucker and Dale versus Evil before we head a little bit further into Insidious. The only thing I'll say is rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, re-watchable. absolutely. Um, I think more people should see this movie. I mean, more than just horror aficionados, more normies should see this movie. This movie would tell a lot about a person you know this this is one of those ones where the message is right there but it's said in such a good way like mm-hmm. yeah maybe we shouldn't take things for like sight value you know maybe we should look a little bit deeper and another one of those films ultimately that again if you dislike it i totally understand right but if it's you fucking gory it, but, it's gory as shit but if you dislike it automatically i'm like because oh, you know, uh, i i don't really hear too many people bash on this movie it's kind of universally beloved for the most Mm -hmm. part but just not as discovered yeah so you don't like it i can't trust you (laughs) right (laughs) i not not to go against preconceived notions but if you don't like it uh, right we'll continue to talk we'll continue to talk (laughs) but i got to the side eye like so going from a horror comedy to a movie that is pretty much straight horror with a little bit of comedy in there in between uh we're talking jane wan's insidious Mm. which you recently saw for the first time, mm, and did. we're literally just recording right after it. I did. <laughs> so I don't want to be that guy, but uh, Dustin, your thoughts on Insidious? I liked it, um, but thinking back over like the decade, what what we had talked about, you know, how you define that decade, it really is. I don't want to say it's like derivative or it kind of fits the mold, but I mean, when I think of the 2010s or the 20 teens, whatever you want to call them, it, it is really that supernatural kind of like jump scare or horror yeah. kind of like make you chill kind of deal. Because I mean, I was looking back kind of through Wikipedia on what all came out in the 2010s, and it was like, yeah, 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 kind of same, kind of along the same lines. Yeah. I mean, not to say that they weren't good, right? I mean, I right. I, I don't bash on films at all. I mean, one of my That's... personal favorites is Jim Cotta. So I really can't, you know. <laughs> you're talking to a man with a poster right to your right there, my friend. So you're in good company, a safe place. But I mean, it, the the jump scares didn't really get me. Um, but I'm I'm not really easily like frightened. Yeah, right. But let me ask you this: some of the jumps, the, some of the jump scares, because there was a lot of like music stings and jump yeah. scares. But there was, did anything get you? Did any of the atmosphere or any of the scares get you? I, I thought like the manifestation of the 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 quote monster was really cool. Like kind of because all right, everything else that was like very linear in the movie, like everything was like set typically on you know the two feet and sorry spoilers yeah. but when, the, yeah, when well, yeah. at, toward the end of the movie when the monster comes out and walks down the wall mm-hmm. that was very I, I think interesting choice 
because they could have just made him chase. You yeah. know what I mean? And it could have just been one of the things. But no, when you they throw it on the side, you're like, okay, this it's, is with his goat legs. No, I I saw this fucker in the theater, and there was people audibly j- gasping and jumping, and like I was one of them because like that whole tiptoe through the tulips thing. That fucking got what me, was great and it was continues <laughs> to get me. Seeing Dustin react going, wait, is that the Blood Harvest guy? <laughs> which, of all things to pull from, necessarily. Right, yeah. Which And Dustin was indeed there at the Joe Bob Briggs uh, when we did screen. <laughs> Another one I'm sure that was like, well, thanks for, that was an experience, guys. It was an experience. It yeah. was. Tiptoe through the tulips by the window. Now, a question for you. Are you of, do you get nervous with like haunted house movies at all? Does that unnerve you at all? No, you know, I honestly, okay, I got to preface this. I don't necessarily believe in like, you know, ghosts and goblins and that kind of stuff. I I do believe there is like, I know this is going to sound kind of stupid, but like a, like almost like a parallel dimension. Okay, because if you think about it, humans themselves are just, you know, electrical impulses, right? Yeah. So when we die, where does that electricity, where does that energy go? Okay, so, I mean, I guess you could say I kind of believe in paranormal, but I'm Something not... Something otherly. Right, yeah. I'm not freaked out by it. Right, that's So, fair. like, haunted houses and stuff like that have never really, you know, got me, but it's it's more like the, the people wielding the axe. The people wielding the knife is more terrifying to me than, you know, seeing an apparition. You're more... You're an empiricist, Versus more of a rationist, you know, you need yeah, to see it. Right. If, it, you, if it's you can touch it, taste it, see it, smell it, taste it sweet, it mm-hmm. can kill you. So right. l- let me ask That's... you this: Do peek behind the curtain you, during your day job? You go to a lot of houses and rehab them, mm-hmm. right? So have you seen any freaky, insidious shit? I have seen a lot of crazy shit. And just to preface it, I am a you know a remodeling contractor. So what I do is I go into a lot of like dilapidated houses and, and rundown structures, and I kind of turn them around. One part of that, the initial part, is really the demolition clean-out kind of thing. So, like, if a if a family, like, moves or whatever, they leave a lot of crap behind. I think the creepiest shit I've ever seen is somebody's, like, danky-ass 60s, 70s porn, like, collection. Oh, no. And oh, it's, it's no. like, one of those things, dude. Like, I'm, like, PPE. Joe Spinelli? No, I'm, like, PPE up. You know, personal protective equipment. I'm, like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like face mask, you know, all kinds of shit. But when you pick up those boxes, you do that shit with like a stick or you make the guy that's working with you do it because you're like, I ain't touching that shit. Right. There's some weird energy coming off those right. boxes, I imagine. Just as long as like you don't go near the boxes and hear tiptoe through the tulips. Pages start flipping over. And, oh, no. <laughs> that is insidious, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, go ahead. Creature design. What'd you yeah. think about. Um, I guess they call they call him Red Lipstick Face. That makes sense. That's that's the name of the ghost, Red Lipstick Face. Okay, so my initial my initial thought was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of like the same paint that Darth Maul had. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I, it, it, it didn't scare me because of that. I'm like, because you and I have both met Ray Park in person, right? So it's like. Oh, I could see Ray Park doing it. Oh shit! I'm back in the movie. Damn it! <laughs> That's what I said. He looks like Darth Maul. Darth Maul. This creeping is a out Star about Wars. Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Darth Maul versus Night Owl. But also, you okay? So I got to bring up this point. You asked me a question right before the movie. He goes, "Okay, so which it oh, was yeah. kind of boiled it down. Which which universe is this? Right. Yeah. Because this spawned at the almost around the same time as the Conjuring universe, both starring Patrick Wilson, which really throws such a wrench uh, in there because it's so easy to 
different, not right. differentiate them. Right. And then they have the spinoffs and then the, the, the interconnected Sequels ones. Sequels and everything yeah. else. Yep. So when you found yourself seeing this movie, were you like, okay, I can see where many like paths could take from it? Or did you were like, okay, I'm not sure what all the hubbub is above? Um, I could see where they would kind of intertwine the, the different pieces. And, and I mean, they could definitely pull from like the different movies to kind of weave them together. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not one of those people that like you, it, unless it's like a sequel and it definitely tells me it's a sequel, mm-hmm. I'm not going to readily try to jump into it and say, oh yeah, that's where they pulled that from. You know what I mean? It, does that make sense? Yeah. And, unless it's like, you know, first blood part two that takes yeah. care of you know, first blood you know what i mean so would you find yourself diving more into the insidious world definitely because i enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. you know and it, it granted the jump scares didn't get me and stuff it, like that but i mean it was a it was a creepy movie i mean yeah. like you said the music cues were awesome uh the acting was good i mean i, I sorry i don't have the imdibas because my phone just died but right. the, the woman in the rose the burn yeah she did an excellent job of playing yeah. terrified yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's Rose Byrne. I, I love Rose Byrne. I think she's a great actress. Rose Byrne, Lynn Shay, Barbara, Barbara Hershey. Hershey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a murderer's row of actors. Mm-hmm. It's your Lynn, favorite. Lynn Shay was dope, but she comes in like we need to do a seance. Bring me the gas mask. <laughs> I thought she was going to get baked out of her gourd. <laughs> okay, I've done one of those things. Oh Lord, we, Lord. We created, we cobbled one together back in the day, but we forgot to put like other air holes. So meanwhile, we're like, <laughs> we're just breathing that in, and we're like. There's nowhere for the where to escape, and so we wound up like, ah! like almost choking ourselves out. It was ridiculous. We gotta have a smoke out, choke out. Uh, and I assumed you contacted spirits somehow or some way. <laughs> I uh, saw the Holy Ghost. That's hypoxia. <laughs> good Lord, man. Good Lord. The more you know, as it turns out. Uh, so, final thoughts on Insidious before we decide which film moves forward. Uh, I said Tucker and Dale was rewatchable. This one, not necessarily as frequent. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those ones where you put it on every five years. Cool. Yeah. It's not like you're going to watch it like every year. At least me. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to kind of not necessarily piggyback on that. I think this does have rewatchability, not an every year thing too. But when you, when I, for me, when I rewatch it, I get scared every time. Even on this rewatch, there was parts that I know was fucking coming, but I was like, oh shit, here comes a good scare. It's going to get me again, you know? And I was looking forward to that. Like the shot when Darth Maul pops up behind Patrick Wilson. Mm -hmm. I knew it was coming and looking on hindsight, you see it coming a mile away, but you're still not ready for when it finally hits. And so I think it's a really good ghost story that even though you know it's coming, it can still get you. Absolutely. And then, of course, seeing it up on the big screen from, from a laptop to the projector definitely makes a difference. And especially the way that shot is crafted. Mm-hmm. There's just that eventual just close up, close up reveal. And it's still legitimately scary. Well, we've got two films vying for a uh, place in the round of the Frightful Four. And here in the round of the Hateful Eight, we do get a little bit more abstract with our criteria. So our first one that we're going to look at here is we ask to define, make a definition or an aesthetic of what horror was like in 2010. And then based on that definition, which of the films fit it better? So that being said, I'm going to throw it out here. Dustin, go ahead and get us started. All right. So the 20 teens, 2010 kind of definition for me was otherworldly spiritual type horror. I mean, cause you had insidious, you had like, like genius was saying the conjuring came mm-hmm. like shortly afterwards. 
So I think that was really, they were tapping into more of the, they were tapping into the spirit world, Chavez. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, did, I saw the size of the chicken, okay. But um, I, I think in in regards to defining that or putting that definition on that that particular year, I would say Insidious. Perfect. And that's not to say Tucker, dude, Tucker and Dale is rewatchable infinitely. Right. Again, it's the criteria. It's the right. madness. Right. Genius. I think uh, in this uh, 2010, I think they were playing more, while you still had the more universes and the more slashers, I think they were playing more with the mixing of the genres, more so than anything. I mean, even look in uh, the, the bracket we have, Frozen was kind of like a horror drama. Uh, even Rare Exports was of comedy Christmas horror. So I think there's a little bit of more like um, fusion, more mm-hmm. like experimentation going on in 2010. So I'm going to go with Tucker and Dale. Good call. Good cool. call. And I'm looking kind of the overall in terms of 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010. If you look in the 80s and 90s, you get kind of a lot of repetition just in terms of what they were offering. More slasher-based horror. And then in 2000 and 2010, I think you're going to see a little bit more the experimentation per se, but also a little bit more diversity in terms of the, the scares themselves. Where we go where we're pri- primarily slasher-based in the 80s and 90s, here in 2010 at least, Again, we've got the paranormal, uh, we've got vampires, we've got zombies, uh, we've got, again, scary Santas, we've got great horror comedies, <laughs> uh, we've got, you know, just Mother Nature herself being something that could get you. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, I'm really loving the level of diversity. And then also, if you look at, and going even further into the diversity, if you look at um, Insidious, written and directed, written and directed by uh, Lee wan and James Wan, both Australian and James Wan being of Chinese-Australian descent. So again, more diversity coming from there. Based on kind of the level of diversity, my money is going to go on with Insidious. Now, that being said, it's been 10 years since these films are have been released, and here we again, in 2020, we're talking about them, loving them. But the question is, which of the two films are we going to be talking about 10 years from now? So that being said, Dustin... What say you, my friend? Ten years from now, I would say Tucker and Dale, easily. And it's just because the comedy helps support, you know, the the gore and the the horror aspects of it. You know, there are a lot of just scary films, and and Insidious does have scares in it, but I I think the comedy is what props Tucker and Dale up for me. Makes sense. And again, good showing the work. Genius. As much as it pains me to say, I'm going to go Insidious, and I think it's a a matter of quality quantity versus quality you have a one-shot fantastic fucking piece of gold gem of a movie of (laughs) tucker and dale but yet what we're talking about it we're already 10 years past and we're like six seven movies deep into the insidious universe so people are going to backtrack and they're going to talk about the first one that brought everything up. It's just like how we still talk about Friday the 13th. How many of those fuckers are there? And we're still like, hey, the first one, well, let's talk about that one. So I think that's going to do for Insidious. While there's going to be a lot of talk about Tucker and Dale, I think even in the normies, it's still that hidden gem. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah, see that. Now that works. And this is a tough one for me as well, um, just in terms of what – what is the what makes it so that we're still talking about it ten years later? Uh, with Tucker and Dale versus Evil, for me, it's one of the top horror comedies out there. I'll like agree. for me, I will put it up there with yep. Shaun of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead. Ultimately, anything that you say is a good horror comedy, 
I will put Tucker and Dale in my top three any day. Yep. I will definitely continue to talk about it. Insidious is another one of those that it did launch a franchise. So ideally, like it or not, we're going to talk about that, whether it's the original or the franchise itself. There are a lot of haunted house flicks. You know, and how Barbara Hershey was involved with the entity. Yeah. You know, which is, whew, that's yeah. also truly, truly traumatizing. So it's tough for me on this one because I ultimately think we will be talking about both of them. Right. Now, that being said, Insidious has a little bit more of an unfair advantage because it did launch a franchise. You have more ways into it. So I think Tucker and Dale, because it has a more of a niche thing, even though it is horror comedy, and as we've discussed, it's tougher to do horror comedy right. So when you do it right, I think it will still carry itself. So for me, my vote then goes to Tucker and Dale, which means we have a tie. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Three votes apiece, Tucker and Dale versus Evil versus Insidious, which means we have to go to the cover of a little magazine. On the cover of the old thing, go, gonna buy a copy for my brother. Gonna see some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old Fango. And speaking of a gruesome face on the cover of Fangoria, I'm gonna say right now, I do see the bride herself on the cover of Fangoria from Insidious, but let me double check here because we're gonna do a little Tucker versus Dale Fangoria and, uh uh-oh, I think we might have... Oh, yes, we do indeed. And because, again, the importance of being on the cover of Fangoria, Insidious is going further into the round of the Frightful Four. That was a well-fought battle. It really well. Two really good films. Yeah. yeah. Again, showing the strength and diversity of 2010. And with that, then, we have our matchup set in the round of the Frightful Four. So what that means to you, then, is on Saturday, which is going to be, excuse me, I should have had this pulled up here. It's going to be uh, Saturday, March 28th on all social media. You will have the chance to vote between from 1980, Friday the 13th. <laughs> vote for a mommy. And from the year 2000. The year 2000. <clears throat> <laughs> we have it going up against Final Destination. So Friday the 13th versus Final Destination on uh, Saturday, March 28th. Ooh. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. And then on March 29th, uh, that'll be on a Sunday, we're going to have... From 1990, Gremlins 2, going up 2010's Insidious. That is not a hard one. That's not what... We'll see. We'll see. And then based on those votes... Right. (laughs) Then on that Monday, on uh, March 30th, again, we'll have the, the two films going into the championship round. Again, everything at this point is up to you, the listeners. And ultimately, number one, thanks for everyone for listening. I Absolutely. We've got through our fourth year of madness. <laughs> right. Officially. <laughs> and ultimately, though, um, we're going from madness to panic. And I'm not only talking about content, but of course, in the world right now, there is a lot of you know stuff in the air. Mm-hmm. And all honestly, gang, look out for each other. Yeah. You know, there's things are getting very serious right now. Let's look out for our film family. Let's be safe. Let's be smart. Let's, yeah. you know, let's just continue on as we do. Um, but keep, no, keep the civil and civilization. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But ultimately here in the month of April, uh, we've got all of our Panic Fest content. Yep. Oh, and there's some fucking great ones in there. We've got our uh, live uh, conversation we had with Joe Lynch mm-hmm. uh, regarding hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the Game of Games. The Game of Games! Uh, we've got a number of conversations with a lot of filmmakers. A lot of stuff happened. Uh, also, this is your chance to, if it's speaking of Panic Fest... Over at Screenland.com, they are putting up a Patreon account right now. Mm-hmm. While the theater is empty, they are going to actually put out content for you so you can help them out 
and it's, you're not just putting out money. They're giving you content and back. So check that out at patreon.com slash screenland. Yep. And speaking of Patreon, ch- tune in to April's episodes for some updates. Hey, Pally. So, number one, Dustin. Thank you so much, man. Oh, I appreciate it. As guys. always, as I always. I love talking to you guys. Well, of course. Wrong then, answer. <laughs> but also, thank you to, let's see here, the Horror Business Podcast, uh-huh. the Kill by Kill Podcast, mm-hmm. Horrorversary, mm-hmm. F This Movie and Corpse Club, the A to Z uh, Horror Cast, the Horror Pod Class, the Who the Hell is This For, Media Rewind. These are all wonderful, great horror podcasts, genre podcasts that you should be listening to. Put them in your rotation. Share. Everyone that was on, that came on, thank you so much. Yes. And thank you, everybody who listens. Yes. Everybody who, who like, even just says hello to us. That's right. <laughs> but thank you for allowing a little madness into your life. So I can't... And next year, we go 81... 91. 2001. And 2011. And a, look out on the horizon for the films. Like, start putting together your list, you mm-hmm. know, true madness. But as always, um, this has been a blast. So yep. thanks for everyone for being involved. And so until next time, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Game over!